Hey, you, get off my lawn. Get your bike off my lawn. Don't, don't step on my grass. You know what? I remember when I was a little kid, I had a next door neighbor. His name was Fred. That guy was so focused on the front lawn of his house that he ruined relationships with his neighbors. Today, I'm going to talk about Fred, the insurance agent, who's out there talking about broker of record letters, and he's the kind of guy that says, get off my lawn, don't touch my grass. I'm going to talk about Fred today, nicely though. We're going to talk about Fred, we're going to talk about what to do with Fred, and specifically, we're going to talk about how not to be Fred. Stay tuned. What's up, Permission Nation? My name is Charles Specht, and I teach insurance agents how to quote less, win more often, and build a $1 million or more book of business through signed broker of record letters. Whether you're a brand new producer just starting out, or you've been grinding it out year after year, you're in the right place to learn how to grow your book. I teach insurance producers my step-by-step 12X framework that helps you get the incumbent agent fired and you hired. After all, why waste time quoting when you can win with one signature? If you're looking for a proven system to help you 12X your book of business, then visit my website at www.12x.club to see how it's done. Otherwise, kick back, turn up the volume, and remember, quoting is for the week. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast. My name is Charles Specht and I am your host. It is great to be with you today and I'm looking forward to the conversation we're going to have about a guy named Fred. Now, Fred is not a guy who was in the insurance business. Actually, Fred used to play pro baseball like many years ago. In fact, he was an old man when I was about 10 years old. So he was my next door neighbor and I remember him. I must have been like maybe eight, nine, ten years old, and he used to play Major League Baseball in like, I must have been like the 30s, the 20s, something like that. I don't know. The guy was like really old way back some, you know, 30 years ago. And I remember him just constantly being out there watching his grass, cutting his grass, weeding his grass. And when he wasn't doing that, he was typically rinsing down his entire house with the hose. He was watering every plant over and over. And when he was finished with that, he had a chair inside of his house. The chair inside of his house sat in front of a screened window that was right in front of the front yard. So he would just watch everything that went by. He would watch people as they walked by. He wouldn't talk to people, but he would watch them. And I remember one time when I was a little kid and I was just kind of riding my bike and um, I was just sort of riding down the sidewalk. I began, you know, just kind of steering off to the side a little bit and I went onto his grass. Man, you you would have thought that I actually started World War III at that time because he started screaming and yelling for me to get off of his grass, and I was a no good rotten you know neighbor and all that kind of stuff. And I always remember that whenever I hear somebody use the phrase "get off my lawn," uh, that's what comes to my mind. In fact, it used to be it used to kind of like be a little bit funny because when I know he'd be sitting there because you could see him, he'd be right like you know a foot away from the screen. 
I would actually walk on the sidewalk right by his lawn, and I would make sure that my footsteps were within about an inch or so from the edge of his grass just to kind of raise his blood temperature a little bit. Um, man, Fred was an interesting kind of guy. And you know what? There are a lot of Freds in the insurance business as well. There are a lot of that sort of old guard, old man mentality, because, you know, after all is said and done, this is in a unique industry. And I don't want to take away from the history of it because, frankly, you know, the history of this industry was built on the back and the shoulders of a lot of wonderful people over the course of many, many decades and years. In fact, they're still in the insurance business today, but you know, there's a sense in which there are a lot of them that are sort of cranky old men. It is a male, pale, stale industry. That is, it's male, it's not, gen it's not usually dominated by females. It is male, pale, that is, it's a bunch of old white guys, and stale, they are old, if you will. Male, pale, and stale. And frankly, that is really kind of the issue that I typically see when it comes to, and again, this is a major generalization, so if you are of this age group, please don't take this offensively. But I typically see it with insurance agents that are like 55, 60 years and over. I just don't, for the most part, see it in insurance agents that are like less than 50. But they are of that old school mindset that they built their book of business this way, therefore everybody else should build their book of business this way, and that's what they think about. They don't think this whole social media thing is going to work out. They don't really think that that whole email thing is going to work out. Uh, napkin and a handshake, you know, that's really kind of how they built their book of business. And many of them built their book of business also by being a generalist. They didn't have to be micro-niched back in the day, completely different time period, completely different time period in regards to the insurance business and how it was actually handled and administered. I mean, many of them still probably aren't doing paperless. They are having their account manager or somebody else handle it because they don't know how all this stuff works. They are definitely somebody that is a little bit old school. These are typically the people that I hear most of the complaints from when it comes to talking about a broker of record letter. And they'll say something like, I think broker of record letters are unethical. I think they're wrong. Or they might say something like, what you're doing when you take a broker of record letter is you're actually stealing somebody else's work that they, st that they spent a lot of time putting into it and you're stealing somebody else's work. And my answer, or at least my reaction is, really? <laughs> really? Is that what you think? Come on, Fred. That is not what is happening with the broker of record letter. And it's just, again, it is a, a misunderstanding of the entire broker of record letter, agent of record letter, what it is and what it exists for. So I'm going to answer just a couple of things and then just kind of make sure we don't become Fred's. I don't want you to be the old male, pale and stale guy named Fred who's constantly going around making sure nobody's stepping on his, his grass and saying, get off my lawn and my loving recommendation for them is sell your book of business and retire. Retire. You did great. You did good. It's time to let the new guard come in. And so sometimes I'll hear people from like Fred who will say something like, the broker of record letter is unethical. And I even hear some people say, well, it's not ethical or it is ethical. It's neither. It's just neutral. And no, I actually say the broker of record letter is ethical. The insurance industry is an ethical industry. We don't allow things that are unethical to take place in the insurance business. We just don't let that happen. 
the broker of record letter exists. It exists in multiple lines of insurance. It exists with almost every single insurance carrier that is out there, potentially like not, for example, the director or the captives and so forth. But for almost all intents and purposes, the employee health benefits carriers do it. The property and casualty carriers do it. It exists for a reason. It is not unethical. The broker of record letter absolutely is ethical. The problem, though, is that the Freds who are out there are thinking that it is somehow stealing their business. It is somehow stealing their work and giving it free to somebody else. And so my answer to that is, well, at least certainly on the property and casualty side, it's not normal that the insurance carrier pays the new agent for the remainder of that policy period. You, Fred, you still get to get paid the rest of that policy period. And so what is really happening with a broker of record letter, at least on property and casualty, is that the new agent is coming in and actually providing the services that the insured needs and doing it for no cost. Isn't that very nice of them, Fred? You're still getting paid for nothing. Why don't you actually give up your commission? Why don't you give it back to the insured or at least just maybe cut a check to the new insurance agent if you really feel that is the issue? But frankly, that's not the issue. It's not the issue. There's no stealing business here. There's no stealing um, the work. The new agent has to put in the work. They have to do the work. In fact, many of the insurance carriers will not even accept a broker of record letter if you do not provide a full submission within a 30-day period of submitting that initial broker of record letter. So you got to put together the full submission. You got to get the the loss runs and so forth. You got to do the apps. You got to do all of that before they will even give you a full-blown um, transfer of the policies over. So that happens. Now, on the employee health benefit side, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, on the employee benefit side, you take over a broker of record letter, the old agent gets to continue to receive that commission through the end of that particular month. But when then the month comes up, the new broker gets the commission. And frankly, I actually think that that's how it should be done because the new agent is providing service on that plan going forward. They're the ones who are doing the open enrollments. They're the ones who are now providing services to the insured. They're the ones who are now actually you know, fielding questions from HR and so forth. There's a lot of work that the new agent does when he or she takes over the policy. And I do believe that the new insurance carrier or agent rather should receive the commission. So frankly, property and casualty industry, why don't we get our act together and simply just do the internal accounting function, switch the number of whatever your agency number is from one agency number to the next. And so that you can pay the new agent the commission. It's not like it's a challenge to do internally. I mean, frankly, if Blue Cross and Blue Shield and all the other insurance carriers on the EB side can pay the new agent, why can't a property and casualty uh, carrier? Huh? I mean, after all is said and done, it's not like it's difficult. Why would you do it? Frankly, if you want the new broker to actually give the greatest service, why would you then not pay him or her in order to do that? Are you really handcuffing the insurance agency from being able to help your policyholder? I could argue that you are. So at the end of the day, the broker record letter is absolutely ethical for the insurance industry. If it wasn't ethical, the insurance industry, the commissioners would not allow it. The problem, though, is that we have to get a different mindset or different mentality that it's not my broker of record letter. That is, as an insurance agent, it's not your broker of record letter. 
we can use it from the standpoint of getting a new client, transferring the client to us, if you will, getting another person fired and us hired. That's what it's for. It is not, however, my tool. It is the insured's tool. The policyholder has the authority to sign a broker of record letter. I can talk about it. I can explain it. I can give them a blank one. But at the end of the day, if the insured chooses not to utilize his or her ability to access the broker of record letter, it's not going to work. So it is the insurance buyers, the policyholders, last resort to ensure proper service from their current agent. That's it. The threat of a signed broker of record letter is always hanging out there. It is always looming in the relationship with whoever is the current agent and the insured, their client, that if you or your team do not provide me, the insurer, the policyholder, the premium paying company, the services that I need and the customer service that I expect going forward, then with one signature, I will fire you. That is frankly what the broker of record letter is for. It is to ensure that an agent actually does what he or she said they will or, or can do, right? So if I'm an insurance agent, and let's say on December 1st, I wrote a new client, okay? I got a new client. It's right now December 27th, so I've had this client for a little bit less than a month. Let's say when I got the client, when I was talking to him, I was like, you know what? We are going to provide workers' compensation claims management services for you. And we are going to be there to answer any questions that you have from an HR perspective. We're going to be there to help you with you know, some of the hiring and the firing. We're going to be there for your online enrollments um, on the EB side. We are also, as we're taking over the property and casualty, we're going to be there for the auto and the GL and all that. We're going to provide some loss control services. We're going to provide workers' compensation claims management. We can do all of that. We're going to be there to help you. And then I get the client. Let's say I win the account, okay? Even if it's just a normal quoting process, I win the account. And typically, an insurance agent wins the account, not only based upon what type of proposal that they show up with regards to a quote, but what kind of services or relationship will you offer to the insured going forward for the next 12 months? But let's say I promise all those things, and then you know what? When uh, the policy dust re which sort of settles as the account has been bound, I just sort of ghost the insured. I'm off to the next thing. I never actually implemented any of the workers' compensation uh, claims management. I actually don't even return the insured's phone calls anymore. Let's say they email me to you know change a vehicle on their policy, and I just... <laughs> <laughs> I laugh at him. You think I'm going to service this account? No way. We are off on the next thing here. You know what? Look, the insured has the ability to sign away the policy to somebody else who's going to actually do what they want. At the end of the day, that really is the issue. If I, as an insurance agent, will not provide the services I promise, the services, frankly, that the insured needs, or even the level of service that the insured needs, or bad customer service, the insured has the right to find another agent that represents that carrier. Absolutely. That's why we are independent insurance agents and not captive agents or not direct agents, if you will. The insured gets to choose. That's America. That's how this thing works, right? Isn't it beautiful? That's how it works. Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business. So don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. 
For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. That's nbsbrokerage.com. And by the way, tell them Charles sent you. So to all the Freds out there, relax, old guy. Nobody's trying to step on your grass. Nobody's trying to kill your lawn. We're just trying to sell insurance in 2022 and 2023 going forward. We're trying to market and brand ourselves. We are providing a level of expertise and services that our own micro niche needs. And if they are with a very good insurance carrier, it makes no sense to try and switch them to another carrier for no other reason than just, just to like take away the business from you when that can be done so easily with a signature on a piece of paper. The broker of record letter absolutely makes sense. It is not only ethical, I personally be, believe it is likely the insured's best opportunity to get a really good deal out there when it comes to their insurance renewals. With the current carrier and other carriers, at the end of the day, the underwriter wants to work with whichever agent controls the policies. By the way, have you or your, your account manager, or maybe you have a marketing department, have you ever put together a submission, sent it out to a few of the carriers, and then maybe an underwriter calls you specifically, or maybe they send you an email, and what is typically the question that they ask you about that account? What's the first one? I'm, I'm waiting for you to say it because you know what it is. It has something to do like this. Do you currently control the account? Yeah, they want to know who's got the broker of record letter as well. They want to know who is the broker on record for the policies. They want to know that do you have the permission, the insured's permission? Do they trust you? Do you currently control the account? Why? Because whoever controls the account is likely to renew the account over 90% of the time in the insurance business on commercial insurance. It just makes sense. I actually believe it is unethical for quasi unethical. I need to kind of put that in there. Quasi unethical for an insurance agent. For example, if I was a competing agent and you are the current agent that's handling that, that policy holder, and let's say you've got them with a good carrier. I mean, frankly, you probably place them with one of the best, if not the best option that they had last year. And it's likely that not too many things change over the course of the year. If the account has been somewhat profitable for the insurance carrier, they're going to likely want to retain that business. They're going to want to keep that policyholder. And if it's even a decent enough um, size account, even if they decide not to write that that sort of industry any longer going forward for new business, they still want to retain the accounts they've got. So they don't want to lose the business. They're going to compete heavily for the account. So it's almost quasi unethical for me to come in and try and just quote with a different carrier just to take it away from another one, even that I probably already represent. Why would I do that to my carrier partners? Take business away from them when I can just keep the business with them. If the carrier's not the problem and the agent's the problem, let's handle it that way. One signature takes care of that. But if you want to switch the carrier, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen with that. Now, look, when you take over the policy by broker of record letter, 
When the account comes up for renewal, you're absolutely going to go out to all the other carriers that are writing the business in order to get quotes from those carriers in order to get the best deal possible for the insured, the best product policy for the lowest amount of premium that is possible. Absolutely you're going to. Why? Because you're an ethical person. That's what insurance agents do. We service the client by giving them the absolute best product we possibly can bring to the table. So just because we get a broker of record letter doesn't mean we're going to stay lazy. Absolutely not. We're just going to make sure that we are handling what we need to handle for current clients rather than people who aren't our clients. So we're going to get quotes, but just quoting is not in the insured's best interest. And just looking at it, as I said, from the underwriting perspective, they want to know, do you currently control the account? Because if you don't, the likelihood that they can win the account is very unlikely. Why? Because the current agent retains their account over 90% of the time. As a competing agent, you going out to different markets is not a winning percentage for those carriers. They would rather, for the most part, have the controlling agent submit the account to them because now they have the ability to communicate with the person who's likely going to keep the account. So a competing agent comes in, it's very, very very difficult to win new business. And many times you don't have to. You just have to tell the insured what they need, what you can provide, what they haven't been receiving. And that with one signature on a piece of paper, you can make everything better. So don't be a Fred. Don't be the kind of guy who's like, that's not how I did it. That's not how I am you know, quoting my business. That's not how I do this. I mean, look, there's a lot of Freds out there. And I'm telling you, I have had wars with them on LinkedIn every once in a while. And you know, probably a couple of months ago was like another sort of fiasco where somebody I'm connected to on LinkedIn you know, just decided that he didn't like me for one reason or another, and then went and began posting something about me to all his followers, how unethical I am and all that kind of stuff. I was like, man, should I sue the guy? He's like, I should, I don't know, I'm not going to sue the guy. I'm just going to respond to his, his post and we're going to dialogue out here. And it's just like, we were just kind of going back and forth. Like, why are you saying this? This is not exactly, or this is not at all what I teach. Um, and you know, finally he just came down to it. He's like trying to maintain his re- reputation. He said, look, I've been in the business for the last 40 years, and I was a president of this company, and then I was a president of this agency, blah, 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 blah. And at the end of the day, all he was saying was, get off my grass. Get off my grass. I'm an old man, and my lawn's all I got. And that's what was his problem. In fact, take it even maybe another step further. A lot of those Freds who are against the broker of record letter Let's just say, we'll call it nearly 100% of all those brads are people who don't utilize the broker of record letter themselves when it comes to prospecting and winning new clients, right? Many times their thought process on the broker of record letter is they hate it because they have lost clients over the course of their career by a signed broker of record letter. And so it is something that is negative to them. And so when they hear somebody using it, they're thinking, that guy's stealing my clients, stealing my work. And my response is, just get off my lawn, Fred. 
go ahead and retire. It's okay. You've put in your time. You have made yourself a very good career. You built your book of business based upon how things were done in the past. This is a new time. We live in the age of social media. We live in the age of the internet. We live in the age of email. We live in the age of I don't have to be there face-to-face and shake someone's hand in order to win an account. I can be in one state and win new business and service business that is living in another state. It is just a completely different world. And we're even post-COVID. So things have changed. At the end of the day, There are a lot of people who say, we don't do it that way. And that's okay. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. I'm not that concerned about it. Why? Because those people will likely never be my client. That's okay. So I don't really try to spend too much time dealing with those people. I try to spend my time dealing with the ones who understand the theory of it, who understand the ethics of it, who understand how it works. Why? Because then they can, it can be used in order to help them win new clients rather than wasting hours and days and weeks of their lives by quoting and not winning. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't need 20,000 clients. I can't handle 20,000 clients. I can only handle the number of people I can handle. I'm one human being. I've got 24 hours in a day just like everybody else. And so there's only so many people I can work with. I don't have to work with everybody else. And if there's other people that just don't like it, that's okay. In fact, I would probably tell you the more that you are singularly focused in one main particular area, the more likely you will be successful. And you will be successful because you are repelling all the people who will not be your client, and you are absolutely hyper-attracting those who will be your client. That's the same for me. That's the same for you. The more that you are uniquely focused in your own micro niche and your branding is on point, your marketing, your prospecting, your scripting, your services, all of that. When you are uniquely focused in your micro niche, you will win more clients by a broker of record letter than you ever have to do, even from a quoting perspective. You will win more clients. You will win larger revenue size clients. You will win more broker of record letters. Everything works when you are completely micro-niched. When you are micro-niched, it doesn't mean you don't write other business that's out there. If something falls into your lap, that's fine. It's just that you only have 24 hours in the day. You can't market to everything that's out there. You can't say, I'm a specialist in airports, and I'm a specialist in dynamite manufacturing, and I'm a specialist in furniture stores, and I'm a specialist in plumbing subcontractors. You can't say that. You have to be focused. And the more hyper-focused you are, the more clients you will get in that micro niche, and you'll just repel those who are never going to be your clients anyway, because they don't see any reason for it. At the end of the day, you can only handle so many clients at one time. That number might be 30. That number might be 50. It might be 70. Whatever it is, it ain't 20,000. It's not. It's probably less than 100 clients that you really want for yourself that you can handle for yourself. I mean, frankly, if you had 100 clients and the average client was only $5,000 of revenue, which frankly is still rather low when you consider all the policies that can be brought forth, that's still a $500,000 book of business. 
You get 100 clients at $10,000 of revenue, you're at a million dollars. You can only handle so many clients before you hit the ceiling that you don't have any time left for renewals and servicing and providing all these things and then just breathing, right? So there are a lot of Freds out there. You don't need to be Fred. You be you. You be the absolute best you can be to your micro niche and you attract your ideal prospect by becoming known as somebody in their industry who happens to have a specialization in the in, in the insurance services for that micro niche, right? It's not that, for example, I'm not an insurance agent to, to um, drywall subcontractors, okay? Um, what I am is that I'm in the drywall construction industry and I happen to have a specialization in insurance for drywall construction. That's a completely different way in which to brand yourself. That is a completely different way in which to script and market yourself. There's a lot of people out there who say, I'm an insurance agent and I specialize in construction. Lots of them. There are very few who actually come across as somebody who's in the drywall industry that happens to have a specialization in the insurance business. The question for you is, which one are you? Are you a micro-niched specialist who's going to dominate this coming year and the rest of your future going forward? Or are you going to be Fred? Man, I hope you don't choose Fred. If you do, just go ahead and retire already and get off our lawn. My name is Charles Specht, and I am the president and CEO of Permission Network, where I teach and train insurance agents how to build a $1 million or more book of business through signed broker of record letters. This is the Millionaire Insurance Producer Podcast.